Hi there, I'm Guy Kilty, and this is the Creative Forces Podcast. Conversations with individuals who excel creatively. This episode's Creative Force is the Chief Executive of AKQA, Ajaz Ahmed. Ajaz dropped out of university to found AKQA when he was just 21. Now it's one of the most successful digital agencies in the world, with more than 2,000 employees and a client list that includes Nike, Virgin, Rolls-Royce and Netflix. Now, I know Ajaz because I was once one of those employees myself. I joined AKQA when it had around 65 people in 1999 and had a very enjoyable couple of years there. And when we met at his home in London, he told me about the journey he's been on with AKQA, why his childhood in Berkshire informs so much of his worldview, and what drove him to contact some of his favourite companies to ask them for work when he was just 13. So... Um, I just wanted to start by asking you, actually, in, when I was looking at uh, online for articles, recent articles about AKQA, about what you've been doing, I saw this amazing thing from the Davos World Economic Forum, these jobs of the future. Just tell me a bit about that. What was that? Because that, AKQA was involved in illustrating these jobs of the future that came up at Davos. Yeah, it's a, a really simple but brilliant idea where... Some of our team attended the sessions at Davos, which have all kinds of luminaries, entrepreneurs. You didn't get a trip to Davos, did you? I didn't get a trip to Davos. It's too hectic for me <laughs> and too cold. Yes. So It's very cold in cold, Davos, isn't it? Yeah, and too much faff. But luckily, we've got um, a great team who, who, who went out there. And the idea was to express and articulate visually what careers of the future might be which would be informed through panelist discussions so you know davos brings together some of the most influential people on earth and based on their conversations and how they're talking about the world how they're how they're turned into careers of the future and i think it got a massive amount of, of coverage and it actually appeared in my favorite publication just by complete serendipity which was the MIT technology review yes that's where I saw it yeah yeah so it's just brilliant so was that did you feel a real they sense of was, satisfaction to see it in well, the MIT review I did until they said it's pure fantasy <laughs> <laughs> so no it was, it was brilliant it was brilliant it's, it's remarkable that you love a, a journal a publication because it's got so much integrity and so much depth and then you see the team's work in there. It's it's wonderful recognition for the team's work. And some of the jobs were pretty amazing, weren't they? Like blockchain engineer, uh, robotic surgeon, landfill recycler. There was some amazing stuff in there. And it, it struck me, actually, that there seemed to be a bit of a parallel with when you set up AKQA 24 years ago, that there was this emerging technology which people knew about. And so, you know, things like robotics and AI and all that kind of stuff now. But... So very much similar with you when setting up, when the, the internet technologies were emerging, people knew this stuff was happening, but they weren't quite sure where it was going. Right, absolutely. So when, when we started AKQA, there were all kinds of jobs that we had to create because they didn't exist. Yeah, so lots of jobs didn't right. exist when you started, exactly. that, that all the thousands of people that work for you now yeah. are doing. Right, and then we were on the vanguard of a revolution. And now you can see with all these new technologies, we're, you know, at the start of the new revolution, especially when you look at, you know, people, we were talking about 
artificial intelligence back then, and we're talking about data science back then, but the truth is it's only now where there's these meaningful applications where the technology feels invisible and magical. And, and that's why it's of, of, of great interest and great use. Like you watch a movie like AlphaGo, for example, that talks about Google DeepMind innovations and you, it's just mind-blowing. I haven't seen that. What's happening. And also you look at some of the... I will do. Yeah, some of the advances in AI. It seems that anything we program computers to do is better than human beings. So they're much better at detecting early health signals in people, much better at so many different things. So, and, and, and what seems truly magnificent about it is we don't quite know how, how it does it. So mm. why we call it artificial intelligence is beyond me. It's a new form of intelligence that there's nothing really artificial about it. It's, it's kind of pretty sophisticated. And is that something that you feel with AKQA that you're sort of, how are you approaching getting into that? If or I'm sure I'm sure you already are to some degree, but how are you approaching a bit, you know, this new world that people don't really know where it's going? Yeah, so we, with AKQA's work, we, we see ourselves at the intersection of service design, product design, space design, and surrounding that is artificial intelligence and data science. So everything we do is informed now by data science and artificial intelligence. So where, you know, when we founded the company, the founding motto for the company is the future inspires us, we work to inspire. So it's this optimistic, forward-looking manifesto about trying to create a better tomorrow. And, and then, you know, we have another phrase, which is, all of our work is the imaginative application of art and science. So we don't create the technology, we apply the technology. So for us, having access to so many tools and so many sophisticated technologies, it is, it's just a wonderful time to, to be able to, to put those to use and, and hopefully inform better work. Does it feel exciting at this point in the same way it did say in the, the very early days of AKQA, does, or, or is it, are we always just at this rapid pace of change, or does this feel like a particularly, you know, with these jobs of the future, does it feel like a particularly, you know, sp special moment in terms of stuff that's coming around the corner? I think for me, it's more exciting than it's ever been. And the reason it's more exciting than it's ever been is a lot of the ideas we had the vision for when we started the company, it wasn't possible to make some of those happen with the seamlessness and simplicity that we might have wanted to. Whereas now we can create, these new technologies allow us to add a whole new dimension to, to the work we're creating and make it feel more intuitive and more natural and more organic. And as a technology improve, and you know, simple examples for, you know, of that are that we've gone from mice and keyboard where there's nothing human about mice and keyboard, even though they're called human interfaces. And, and, and you, you kind of move that forward. And then when Apple introduced the iPad, we got the first use of touch that was, you know, at scale that was brilliant. And obviously the iPhone before that, again, mm. touch, the touch interface worked very well. So that's getting more human. And today we have the voice 
interface. So you see with Alexa, Hey Google, Siri, all these incredible voice concierges mm. that are available 24-7 and recognize our voices pretty much perfectly. So what's wonderful about that is that the world is becoming more natural, more organic, more intuitive. So us being able to put those technologies to use in, in our work just makes the work better and help, help helps to improve it. We'll come back to um, AKQA's work a bit later if, uh, if we can. I'd like to just ask you a few things about you know, the journey of going from founding AKQA and actually even before that. You know, so you founded AKQA at 21, but before that, and say at school age, when you were at school, what, what were the things that really excited you then? What were you really into when you were at school? You have to edit out, edit out this silence. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm always I'm so I'm so thinking about the future. I don't tend to think about what I thought about when I was a kid. But I I think the thing that always interested me was a combination of three elements. And the three elements that always had a fascination was art, science, inspiration. So anywhere where I had the opportunity to, to expand my mind was exciting. And so that might be new technologies, it might be new works of art and new cultural reference points. It might have been you know, when it comes to nature, I was lucky that I'd go sailing every weekend from the age where of about you, 15 where did you live south. When you... I lived in um, a beautiful village called Bray, so near in Berkshire, so just absolutely gorgeous place. And the, but I used to go sailing in Southampton, and we used to, you know, go across to across the channel is just amazing to to have that opportunity growing up where you're growing up in this idyllic village surrounded by nature and butterflies <laughs> and deer and <laughs> rabbits and just very common you know and pheasants and it's just common it's just everywhere and at the same time going sailing every weekend so getting to see the sea and being part of that but at the same time be you know witnessing the incredible social and technological revolutions that were taking place so we saw the phenomenal change that took place in South Africa the phenomenal change that that took place with with the wall in Germany and so you know the end of communism mm -hmm. and so we we witnessed extraordinary social and technological change so i think i couldn't have had a better childhood it was just beautiful and inspirational and you know, I've always loved reading and it's kind of it's, it's a great hobby so I think that that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from who were the sort of people whether that's people that were like teachers or mm. people like that or whether it's famous people who were the people that really sort of inspired you then so I'm so lucky that I've got to have met so many of my heroes when I was a kid 
so I'm lucky that I had the opportunity to meet a, a, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I considered to be heroes and 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 role models. And who were they? I'm not going to name drop. Okay, that's I, fine. Yeah, so just I'm just really lucky that that you know I met I met them past and present. So yeah. it's just I've been fortunate in in that respect, and. I think you know if you read a great book, and today you know people listen to podcasts and watch YouTube and TED and another and documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. And so there's a lot of inspirational people that that you come across every day. It's a great time to be alive, guy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Was there something when you were younger? Was there something that you wanted to be? Was it like I want to be a this when you when I'm older? I think I didn't I didn't really give it that much thought. So I I I think that I I look at my entire existence as as an adventure and serendipity. Okay. That one connection leads to another connection that leads to another connection, and I think the fact that I grew up with the internet as a technological revolution. And I was of the age where I was naive enough to, at, at 21, think starting a company was a, was a great idea. And fortunately, it turned out to be a wonderful idea that I've had a lot of opportunities to work with great people <laughs> and work with you know phenomenal organizations and work with you know and i think that i think this has been a great journey so so i i kind of yeah i don't tend to didn't tend to give it that much thought when i was a kid okay and you mentioned the decision to set up akqa because you were actually at bath university at mm. that time weren't you? what were you studying there and and why did you what what you dropped out from doing the course to to found the company so what was it that made you think, actually, I don't need to do this. I want to, I'm going to do this instead. Absolutely love Bath as a place. So the city. So when I was looking at universities, I, I kind of went to visit all the various locations and I completely fell in love with, with Bath as a city. The architecture is gorgeous and influential and the surrounding countryside is just brilliant and it just had this real appeal and attraction and that was that was the city itself and then the course that I wanted to study was business and it happened to be the best business undergraduate degree that available so then that became the ambition to get on that course because it's fiercely competitive. So to try and get on that course and, and, and make sure that I learn. And then I loved it, enjoyed, you know, I'm still great friends with the people who I shared a house with. They're brilliant friends and we kind of still catch up regularly. And what happened at Bath was a friend who lived next door said, Charles, Charles, I've got to show you something at the computer lab. and took me over to the computer lab and showed me a picture that had been 
that was on the screen and it clearly explained that that picture had been downloaded from America. And I suppose that for me was just convergence in action. So the fact that this high resolution or medium resolution photograph had been obtained from America and downloaded in real time, that proved that the multimedia revolution was in full swing or the beginning, it was beginning to get in full swing. Mm. And because I was lucky to have worked since I was 15, that I, that the, I thought, well, I put all that into action. And, and, you know, a lot of the people I'd read about, they'd either never, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs or influencers I had as, in my formative years as a kid, they hadn't gone to university or they dropped out of university. So it wasn't an abstract, you know, and today it's, it's very common that people, you mm. know, just a cliche that you get the university dropout mm. that starts a tech firm. Yeah. And so I suppose I was the original cliche <laughs> <laughs> or one of the original cliches. But because I'd read and understood that a lot of the, the, peop the, the people who I admired had gone through a similar journey with, ver with varying levels of success, mm. but didn't, didn't put me off. Just, just to rewind slightly again, you mentioned that you've been working since you were 15. Mm. Just tell me a bit about those jobs that you did, or that, that work that you did at that time. Yeah, so I, so I remember, I think I, I kind of, there was a time where I, I had about four jobs right. at one time when I was 15. So, but I was lucky that, again, in my formative years, I worked for so many technology firms. So I, I worked for the, the biggest and the best entertainment software company for a bit. Ocean what you, Software. What were you doing though, though yeah, at 15? So, what were you doing at yeah, 15? So helping them with, you know, like anything. I was right. just like, so I was just, do you like my... Yeah, <laughs> it's not an air freshener, is it? <laughs> no, is it a clock? It's a clock. It's a, cl a cuckoo clock. It's a cuckoo clock. I like it. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so just, yeah, what can you do at 15? You just, like, you, you can't do something really... They were helping me rather so did, did than they were. They were giving me. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote. I wrote. I would write endless letters to to various organisations in the hope that one of them would reply and 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 reply in a way that that would be beneficial. How many do you think you sent? Oh, so for one job, I I sent letters from the age of twelve to the age of fifteen, <laughs> and then I finally got a hand delivered envelope from that organization when I was 15 that said when you've got a national insurance number you can come and work for us and again what's remarkable is as a 12 year old I didn't know you needed you know national insurance number yeah. to, to do all that you, so what, you learn all what this drove stuff you off. to do that, that did then do you think from the age of 12 you know you clearly wanted to work for these big companies or successful companies as you saw them yeah, it's well, a very early So I suppose since I was a kid, I always wanted to work for companies that I loved. Mm -hmm. And that's true today as well. Mm. So that's a, a characteristic with the work we do at AKQA is that we, you, 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 end up, you, know, you, you end up having a great admiration for the, for the organizations that, that, that you want to work with and that work with you. And I think that admiration... And the aspirations for the organization, the aspirations for their customers, for their audiences, the aspirations for 
how they can shape our world in a in a better way that's that's what makes that's what inspires you to kind of want to work with them so i've honestly no idea why as a, as a 12 year old <laughs> it seems a bit surreal now doing you know even thinking about it hence the the the, the moments of contemplation and, and silence mm. but the i've got no idea but i i loved it and it's always done with enthusiasm and it's always done with it didn't it didn't matter if i got rejected i just didn't that care. was your view You'd, that was my i genuinely didn't care right so just like just keep going keep soldier on <laughs> keep keep trying were your parents encouraging you did they encourage you to do that as well did you tell them about it and what did they think of it yeah so that my i'm lucky that the parents have been the most kind and generous extraordinary human beings that any kid could could hope for so so they 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 never discouraged me from from anything and i think the the you know and not discouraging is the same as encouragement Mm. And and I think that 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 level of encouragement, and you know, and and I think, and they were always so. At times when I had to go to a meeting, and I was just a teenager and I hadn't learned to drive, I needed lifts. And I remember working for the software company when I was about fifteen, sixteen. I obviously hadn't learned to drive. And I remember there was a meeting I had to go to for Scotland that morning, <laughs> and it was a really early flight. And so I was all suited and booted because it was a time where, you know, every meeting you'd, you'd have to be suited and booted these days. Yeah. Obviously, things are much more relaxed yeah, and, and no one really cares what, 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 what you know, what, what they, they care about the, your contribution yeah. rather than the, the clothes that you're wearing. And so, but back then they cared about the clothes you're wearing and, <laughs> and your contribution. So, so, so I'd go, so I'd suited and booted with a big tie and going up to Scotland and then, you know, they, like they were just, and I feel genuinely blessed and, 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 and lucky to have had parents that have that kindness and, and encouragement and the sense of values and, and, you know, and that's obviously, it became a, a great foundation that gives you a sense of confidence and self-esteem, doesn't it? Because you feel that you've got the family support and family love. And it's not something I take for granted. Did they have any experience of setting up a business, or what? What did they no, do? No, very, really simple, simple, wholesome, good jobs. Nothing extraordinary. Just, just simple. And I, and 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 I love that. And did how did it work with school then? With these jobs, I and mean, was was this in the school holidays, or was this exactly right. yeah, school holidays and after school? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> meeting, so the meeting in Scotland would have been in like the summer holiday, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. Or, you know, Easter or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, I think it would have been around Easter, actually. So was that every holidays then, mm. from the age of 15 to right. going to... Did you, so did you stop working when you went to, to Bath University, or were you still working then? Well, when I went to Bath, I'd obviously had worked. So I'd got to meet a variety of colleagues and the colleagues that I'd met at the various organisations that I'd had the opportunity to work at, they would give me work at Bath University. So in a way, you know, there's an argument that did I drop out of Bath University to, 
to start this or had I already was I already doing it at uni and I think mm. I was pretty much already doing it at uni and, it, and, and Bath Uni is the birthplace of AKQA really it really is because that that's where the nickname because I lived in a house with a few other people and a lot of us had four initials right and so we you know as, as university students do pretentiously or not we kind of call each other by our nickname so there was r-h-o-j s-r-e-w and a-k-q-a and so it became it became the because a-k-q-a was founded there it became the name and then you know the font the font and the kerning they're all all, every aspect of a-k-q-a is informed by something else right i find it really interesting um you know you're talking about you so keen to work for these big companies Great companies, I think. Great, not, co- yeah. So, sorry. So, great like, so, yeah. That, that's 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 those are the, they're the only organisations that I wanted to work for as a kid. Yeah. And today is companies that we genuinely admire and respect and love. Yeah. And but the, 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 what I was going to say was that you know you were really trying hard to work for these great companies. Um. And if you'd carried on at Bath and completed your degree, you would almost certainly have gone on to work directly as an employee for one of those. So what was it that made you think, I don't want to work for one of those companies. I want to work for those companies as they're my clients, but I want to set up my own company. I think it's one Mm -hmm. and the same thing. Because I think if you're working... Because so people people have said to me, oh... You know, it must be great having you know not having a boss. It must be a great feeling. <laughs> and then I think to myself. <laughs> anyway, so I'll come back to that. But um, I, I, I kind of so it must be a great it must be a great feeling not having a boss. But I've always thought I've had a boss. So I've always thought that the boss is the person who uses the work. The boss is the client. Mm. The boss is the employees in the team. You know, the whole idea of servant leadership. You serve the employees rather than the employees serve you. So I've never thought that... I've never thought of myself as the boss. I've always seen myself as being in service to the team, to the clients, to the community and most importantly in service to the work and that that's that's where the that's where the energy go goes into and do you feel that's remained the same from day one to, to now you know with much the a lot of the, the the ethos appears to be the same but the the scale is is much bigger so it, do you feel like that's something that you've consciously tried to keep as part of what you do or is it something subconscious that is sort of driving you in your career if you look at the body of work we're producing now it's the best work we've ever done so i think that and i think one of the reasons for that is the firm's got a has 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 established itself and got a track record of producing one blockbuster hit after another and we've never rested on our laurels so we've never had this sense of entitlement We've always had this hunger and you know, people say, well, what's your favorite project? And my favorite project is the next one. 
and that's where the mm. that's where the emphasis has to be so i think the the great the great aspect of having the scale and 23 studios in 15 countries is that the diversity of work and thinking that creates helps inform you know make make the whole even greater so i i'm i'm more excited about the work now than than ever i think there's a, there's this real sense of there's this real because when you're a startup you're you've got all kinds of other priorities like survival mm. survival's the priority so you have to do whatever you can to survive and make sure you make payroll and you know make sure that a lot of the a lot of the aspects you know make sure the cash flows enough to keep keep running the business successfully mm. unfortunately we've got a great operations and, and finance team now so we can you know that that aspects looked after and because those those parts are looked after it means the the people who create the work have more freedom and flexibility to expand their imagination and think of bigger and, and be better ideas so so i hope that you know i hope that's reflected in in the work like at the end of the day you and and everyone else who looks at the work has to mm -hmm. judge it you mentioned a minute ago that people keep saying about you it must be great having a not having a boss and you said you were going to come back to something what was going to say it must be great not having a boss which is um so like does that, does that mean like someone someone who like oh, right. what you, they say that to you yeah no no that, so that like you kind of go does that mean that i like if i'm perceived as a boss <laughs> does that mean that it's great not having me that's basically that's that's all yes i'm overthinking it i see what you mean yeah. yeah so if someone says that to you and you're their boss that means no no no, they, they don't... Like, no, no, no one who yeah so i'm just saying if someone did then you might think that but yeah. unfortunately it hasn't been no no one's no one's ever said that i get that they're too smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> With the so the one just let's take go back then again to the that moment then when you saw the the image that was downloaded from the u.s how long was it then between seeing that and thinking, right, okay, was that like a light bulb moment for you, really? That it was a light bulb moment. That you thought, okay, there's something really exciting happening here. Yes. So how long was it then between seeing that and actually, you know, quitting the course, setting the company and, and starting off? It was the it was the finishing the first year and then and then just over the summer. And then while 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 I was in the, during the summer, that's where it basically formalised itself. So the summer at the end of your first year, mm. okay. And then you you decided right, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to set up AKQA. Mm. You had the name exactly. You, did you just set up a limited company? And then was it was it just you and was it you and James at first, James Hilton, or was it just you at first? So it was me on my own to begin with, and then I put an advert in Creative Review. And James replied to that advert and he joined the band. So this is James Hilton, who James, was then the creative yeah, director for a long yeah. time, wasn't he? And there was also a couple of other absolutely brilliant people who helped start the company. So Matthew Trigus, who I was introduced to by uh, a, good, a good friend and, and we met you know, right at the beginning of the company. And, and Dan Norris Jones yeah. as well, and so how did you find Dan? I uh, went through a headhunter oh, actually. Right. So I had I gave a very specific criteria 
that I was looking for and the, the specific criteria that I was looking for <laughs> was I needed someone who was studying computer science but also mechanical engineering so someone who had mechanical engineering and the computer science why did you why were you so specific about those two things because people who study mechanical engineering their attention to detail and their rigor i just had this theory would be much would be greater than someone in pure software because and i think you know because in mechanical engineering what you do can be life or death you take it really really seriously mm. whereas software it is now you know but back then it was so, 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 so it was it's basically to reduce the you know i didn't want i wanted our work to be as free from bu- bugs as possible and the tolerance level in mechanical engineering when things aren't working is is less so that so that, that that's really what, what it, was. Right. it was about quality control yeah and ensuring that the people we hire uh, have this obsession with quality code, quality control, and make sure that everything that we create stands up and you know, and, and works. Am I right in thinking that the first two things that you produced, well, the first the first things that you produced from the company was two books? Right. So we produced a number of projects to try and get some attention as a young startup and the two books that we produced were one was called Netiquette and it was thought leadership in terms of embracing the new digital tools for communications and then another one was Interface and Interface took all the new technologies and proposed ideas that would benefit people and make use of what was called at the time the information superhighway. Yeah. And today, you know, today a lot of those ideas already exist at, at scale. So, you know, video on demand and the world leader for that is, is Netflix. So I think thought leadership has always been a really important aspect of what we do because we're, I suppose we've always been great evangelists for how technology can improve people's lives mm. and how it helps bring people together and and reduce barriers and, and connect people. So that's that's what we've always loved. But then another another aspect of the projects that we would do when we started the company were we actually would create prototypes of various ideas and take those to organizations to show them mm. how how they could use this new technology to improve their audiences' lives. Can you think, what were some examples of that? Yeah, so we took, a great example is we would take a music album and we would showcase how the music album, in terms of album art and other videos, can all live in one one interface. And and so we were, it it was a... a futuristic version of the music album, which was inspired by the original vinyl, beautiful album art you would get. Mm. And so we'd create a prototype where you'd have everything in one place, you know, the archive, 
footage, interviews, videos, music, and and and, and that was a, a CD-ROM project, for example. Mm. And how many of those turned into? Well, what, what was the first client that you got then? When you put the books out there, uh, or what was the first client that actually said, "Right, okay, let's go for it." So there was a client that we did some work for that helped us to find Dan Norris Jones, mm. the our first head of technology, and the, the the client that helped us with that project. Sorry, helped us hide helped us hide Dan. We created the world's first recruitment website, and it was you know brilliant because it was the first one that allowed you to upload your CV, and it would then search a database and find matches for you. So it's mm. pretty sophisticated for its time, and 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 real a real game changer. And you know now it's commonplace mm. and, and it all, all, it all works. But that project got quite a lot of attention. And one of the organizations that saw that project was Virgin. Mm. And then Virgin invited us into their, 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 their offices in, in West London. And, we, and they briefed us on a project called Virgin Net. And that's when that was the first project that James and I got the opportunity to work on. And we produced some really beautiful interface design. And what was that for? Uh, for, it was for Virgin's subscription service to allow people to access the internet and 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 other content, mm. and it was just brilliant. You know, beautiful, beautiful, intuitive, simple, great, great work. That's completely on brand for a pioneer like Virgin. You know, where it, it, you know adventure is just part of the the DNA of the company. We talked a bit about this before, but um, thinking back to that time, what were the the guiding principles, if you like, creatively for you and James and Matthew and Dan at that point? What were the what were the key things that you felt were? You mentioned the Virgin stuff being clean and simple. What were the the key things that you felt were vitally important in terms of the design, the creative elements of the work that you were doing? Yeah, so we've we've had these core values since the founding of the company and so much of the company's changed the locations where where we're at the 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 type of work we're doing the technologies we use but the values have never changed and the values that have always informed not just our work but permeate throughout all aspects of the company hopefully our innovation, service, quality, thought. And they really speak for themselves. So the work should be innovative. It should be, it should have a depth of, and what we mean by the depth of thought, it takes more work to make a project simple than, you know, just, and I think, so So I think we, that that's where the thought, the deep level of thought goes into and care and, you know, and, and quality, you know, and service speak for themselves, really. And so then from Virgin, did things start to sort of snowball from there? Who did you, who did you pick up next and, and where did it go? When did you start hiring people? Yeah. Hiring more than the four of you? So between 
Matthew, Dan, James and me, we, we were able to do a lot of stuff, a lot of work between the, the, the four of us. And what made a dramatic shift for our, for our business was every time we'd put a project out, it would get so much attention mm. because in somehow it was pioneering and it was industry, you know, it's industry leading and it would make use of technology in a way that, that other people hadn't really thought of, of using it. And that, that would get, you know, a, a real sense of attention. We got the opportunity to, so BMW saw some of our work, they invited us in and we went in to, to see BMW with a really clear vision. And whereas everyone else, all the other car companies at that time were doing brochureware our clear vision was software and that's what BMW should be about. This and is for their website. This right? is for their website. Yeah. So, so all the other car companies are not, and, and there is brocheware and, and often this sounds strange, but it did happen. You'd have car companies that were just doing lifestyle content that didn't really talk much about, you know, the cars and, you know, it's common sense that if someone's visiting uh, a car website then there's a certain number of services that they want mm. that we that, that's important that the car company's providing to them and so we went to bmw with with this really clear vision which was it's about software and they embraced the vision and and let us produce the work and when we launched that what was again wonderful was the financial times recognized how leading edge the thinking was and gave it practically a, a full page of just talking about how pioneering and cutting edge the thinking is and and one of the reasons is because you know some of the applications we included was the world's first approved used car locator so we launched that mm. And we had a car configuration system and a way to locate a dealer, which was much more intuitive. So the work was was inherently more advanced than any other car company. And in fact, then Top Gear did a program about car automotive websites, and we the BM they they decided that the BMW work that we done was the very best. And right. you can imagine the scrutiny the top gear put under that so that so that that then had it had a halo effect mm. and you know became part of the virtual circle and while while we're doing that we were being engaged by other clients as well and because i suppose we have youth youth on our side it meant we could work 24 7 <laughs> with love and enthusiasm and care just to produce this wonderful work and put it out there and because the team has got that rigor so you know we, our first chief technology officer, you know, head of technology is someone who studied mechanical engineering as well as computer science. You can had that real rigor mm. to it. So, so it would, it would make sure that it, that it worked. So I suppose it was just the virtuous circle in action that we had these great foundational, we had this great foundation of the core values and the core values inform everything we do. And that's our, North Star, that's our main goal, is the values. And then we're focused on making sure that the work, you know, 
characterizes those values we're putting good work out there then we're getting more work and i think it's it's a really straightforward formula that 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 continues to have relevance today because as a professional services company you are only as good as your last piece of work Mm. so unless you're putting out great work consistently time and time again then you you, you'll lose your relevance you mentioned there but about it being 24 7 Mm. how hard were the four of you working in those early early days well in your 20s they they can be the they can be the most productive years of your life because you just don't need as much sleep. Hmm. So we we would work. So I, you know, we we would be, all of our time would be spent working, and we absolutely loved it. And you know, you watch. We didn't have. Do you know that that um that that house that's in that TV HBO TV show Silicon Valley? I've not seen that. You know, it's just, very funny you can check it out. it out it's yeah. brilliant so it's really it's really excellent definitely check it out and we didn't live in the same house but yeah we didn't <laughs> but uh but but we were we were we were in the studio all the time so we were always working where were you based at that point by the way Just moved up to london by then right. because i remember a client saying something like out of London, out of mind, mm-hmm. which obviously isn't true now because you've got, you know, great places like Bristol mm. and Manchester. And Manchester, yep. Yeah, so <laughs> that, are, that are thriving. And hopefully, you know, that that will continue to be the case. So the four of you had all been based in Bath when you no. started? Oh, no, okay. No, so no, so, I, so I'd already, so I'd left Bath okay. and then moved into moved up to London. Okay, and it, you felt that was really important at that stage because that's where you'd need to be to to be noticed or to be in people's minds when the work came up like as you said the client said i think yeah for, yeah for 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 for, for, not, for in our formative years and i suppose for recruiting people that being in in the the capital city was was a better place to be and then so you got Virgin, BMW, and then what were the clients after that that really sort of, it, it must have picked up quite quickly at that point in terms of the sort of high-profile clients that you were getting? Yeah, it was extraordinary. So there was a time where you, I think the who's who of the, the best brands on earth we were getting mm. the opportunity to, to work with. And what's fantastic is we were delivering excellent work for them and getting really good feedback. So the clients would regularly tell us that you're, you're off favorite supplier because you know the work would produce a return on investment and it would look beautiful and it would get great engagement from from audiences so Mm. i think that's that's got to be the aspiration when when you get great feedback from the audiences that engage with the work and great feedback from the clients that's that's really what ultimately matters did you ever feel like you had to pinch yourself because i think now when i think back to when i worked akqa and it was what 70 people something like that 75 people and you were doing the websites for sainsbury's nike carlsberg bmw i mean these are some of the biggest brands in the world (laughs) and it was 70 people in an office in london it seems amazing it seems amazing now thinking back that that was the case did it seem natural to you at that point or did it were you pinching yourself at the time thinking how have we got here 
I think I was too busy making sure that we're delivering the work and making sure that the works of the standards we wanted it to to be the to to, to kind of spend any time pinching like <laughs> thinking about it and I distinctly remember being sat there with you and Matt mm. you know before one of the the projects was going to launch on for Run London yeah and you know you know how late a lot so you just kind of so you think we we would never we would we would definitely when we had something to celebrate and share we would definitely do that Mm. but you just don't like i suppose when you're forward looking you kind of think about okay great we've let's not rest on our laurels let's get this done let's let the work speak for itself and that's what matters and i think yeah, I, I still don't think. I still think I'm just. There's a lot of other. There's a lot of things we've got to get done, and I think that the, the, the making sure that those aspects get delivered is more important than. Yeah. Than thinking about it. I just I, I I don't pause for reflection to think about. The success of AKQA. My pause for reflection is thinking about what do we need to do that improves the place? What do we need to do that improves the work? What do we need to do to make sure that you know we're providing our clients with phenomenal work that's got a great return on investment and providing our team with meaningful careers? That's, that's, the, that's the duty and the responsibility in the level of service. The, the reflecting on stuff isn't doesn't really matter and so then around that time as well it was, it was sort of early 2000s wasn't it when you then started to mm. there was the deal with the US investment mm. wasn't there and then mm. moving mm. you had the offices around the world mm. then I mean what was that like initially you know having the different you gone from the London office to then having suddenly a multinational company mm. absolutely brilliant so it was fantastic, you know. Again, a lot of decisions are about motivations, and the motivations were for setting up the network. Were there were dual motivations. One was to be able to serve our clients in more geographies, and you know you've listed some of our clients, and, and many of those clients have their headquarters in the USA or, or Europe. And another aspect was to give our team career opportunities, so, you know, so where, they, where they could grow with our grow with our firm as well. And what what could be better in terms of learning and development than going to work in a different location, whether it's a different location of the the country that you might have been born in, or or a different loca- you know, a different country altogether. And so we expanding to the USA helped do that. I, I got to work there for for a while, and I absolutely loved it, and and didn't really intend to come back but there were some things here that I needed to need my attention so I kind of came back mm. but I kind of spend most of my time these days traveling between the studios and 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 and, and collaborating with with clients and our studios across across the across the the world and it's it's just wonderful that there are, and it's not a coincidence also that the locate that the, the places that we have locations happen to be cities that we absolutely love mm. and a, a real cultural epicenters you know like tokyo melbourne sydney copenhagen you know, it's, it's san francisco mm. new york 
It's a nice list. Yeah, you want to come back now, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. You're yeah, thinking. The, the cogs are turning. Yeah, you're thinking, I'm going to stop my broadcasting and, and journalism. <laughs> I'm going to go, into, go back to working with us. Do you ever still get involved in any of the, the projects? Very much so. Very much so. Still with looking the same. over people's shoulder at yeah, two I'm in the morning. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, absolutely. Afraid still, so. And is that yeah. with all the offices? Or obviously you can't be in every office at one time, but is that mainly in <laughs> London got, or is we're, that... We're working on an AI that is taking everything on my brain, in my brain. <laughs> a hologram. And so, yeah, we're basically that's, that's, the, that's the key goal is to transfer everything that's in my mind into <laughs> an AI that can constantly permeate through. And so 24-7... 360, you know, 365 days a year is constantly looking at the work and, and improving, <laughs> improving things. No, I think the, the work, there's, there's certain clients and certain people that continue to want my point of view and continue to want, want my advice and I'm more than happy to provide. It keeps me busy. It keeps me, keeps me out of trouble. So that's that's what I try and do. Um, I noticed as well um, one thing that you've said that about the locations is that you want it to be like sort of university type uh, environments. So just tell me a bit about that. Why why do you feel that's important? So this is things like so it's not just the office, but there's uh, you know gyms and there's uh, you have uh, talks where people come in, don't you? And, and talk about various subjects so why do you th why is it really important to you that they have that sort of university environment because a university is a it's obviously a school of learning and a school of thought leadership and a school of growth and a school of where and it's also a place where you end up producing some of the, the best you know some of the best friendships that you might have going forward and and I think for AKQA to, to and I think the other thing for, for a lot of the people that, that we hire it's the that collegial nature of working is a much better way of, of it's a much better working environment so you know one, one of the things that I think the world is hopefully transitioning to and the sooner it transitions to the better is the idea that conflict and competition has to be displaced by community and collaboration and if you if your focus is on building community and collaboration then i think the university is a wonderful mod model because everyone's intentions are about the work about the thought leadership that's the primary motivation in in a, in a university is research and development it's understanding what do we learn from this that we can apply to hopefully make you know improve people's lives and and you know somehow solve problems and that that's that's why i love the university metaphor you mentioned that you think that the it'd be better for industry all, all sorts of industries to, to have that approach is that something that you have a strong view on that not obviously you, you're doing it with akqa but do you think that's a problem the sort of competition element that we see a lot of globally with corporations i guess yeah because i think the way it ends up manifesting itself can be environmental destruction or disrespect for nature, disrespect for the environment, disrespect for for communities. 
So I think that the this this idea that economic growth should be the focus, you know, relentless economic growth should be the focus, isn't something that I really believe in. I think that you know, a better model would be if organisations were all, you know, if all of us were measured by our positive contribution to society, and obviously that means making sure that all organisations are creating meaningful careers for people and that people get to work in respectful environments and, and that, that happens. But I think this relentless obsession with purely economic growth, I'm not convinced it's the, it's the, way, you know, it's, it's the way forward for our species because you look at the devastation and destruction that that model is creating and it's not working and at the moment we can't see the at the moment in in the west we're not seeing the impact of it but there's definitely countries that are really you know feeling feeling the impact of it so i think unless we have a, a global change where we are looking to you know so you know just as, as an example and this isn't a perfect solution and you'll know, as an economics student, you'll, you'll find so many mm. counter arguments with with everything that I'm saying. But one of the one one of the um, if you if you look at you know, a lot of corporations take from nature, but they don't give back to nature, and nature doesn't send us a bill mm. for a lot of the resources that we use or a lot of the devastation that might be caused. And if nature started creating this bill for us, it would suddenly change the profitability for a lot of... So we're, it's, we're, we're, we're treating nature and the environment as free. I love the way that the siren goes <laughs> yeah. off. It's like an emergency. It's, it's a real though, metaphor. Yeah. So it's an emergency. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the... And that says it all. Hmm. Do you think your childhood in, in Bray informs that? view without a doubt because so you know, you grow up surrounded by butterflies and nature and rabbits and deer mm. and then you start seeing the numbers dwindle and you kind of like they remember when I was a kid about four or five years old and maybe it's my imagination maybe it's not but certainly when I got older I'd remember there were, there were more like the 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 everywhere you see red admiral butterflies absolutely everywhere and if I see one red admiral butterfly in the summer now, you know I'm just my my I'm just filled with joy. But that you know that you kind of go, well, where have they all gone? And you you've seen the the bees, how mm. there's a there's a you know, the 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 reduction. But but it's the same. You know, you, you, there's so many statistics and and facts that show across nature how. It's just being violated. And if you read a book like Sapiens, you, you kind of think that um, there's, there's, there's not a great deal of optimism. Yeah, I have read that book. Actually. Yeah. It's an amazing book. Isn't mm, it? It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating. I think that, you know, it, it does... Yeah, the, the value, the cost, if you like. There's no cost. That's how people and corporations particularly often see nature don't they and yeah i guess that's how how is there a way to solve that then 
is there is that a government regulation thing where they actually put a cost on it or is that more a question of is it more something that a way so of I thinking there's is two, more way yeah, of thinking yeah there's two that there's two schools of thought one school of thought is provide a better solution and people will embrace the better solution and you know that that's one school of thought or the other the other school of thought is look, legal Im- implement the law hmm. and you know and and my view is that i i think that in the do you know the the, the example with the carrier bags in the UK where they were suddenly charged for Mm. and dramatically overnight the use of those bags fell off a cliff it just disappeared yeah and to me well that there there you go there's suddenly a solution where there wasn't we you know there wasn't a a, there, there is a better solution but it made people come up with their own you know be inventive about actually I don't need to be wasteful about you know plastics. Mm. I can just and I think I think I think that there needs to be more of that. You know, because I suppose there's, there's it's also about when it comes to recycling, that there's a it's, there's, the world is now easier to recycle because people have different bins to put things in and and that kind of thing. So I suppose we need a combination of both. We need a combination of legal aspects, better solutions, and different ways that we look at. at you know, just just having this respect for nature, and how does AKQA do that now in terms of its global uh, carbon footprint and things like that, or the way that it you know interacts with the natural world? Yeah, so we have like we have a whole range of objectives and criteria about sustainability, and we're, so that that we have to have to meet in terms of carbon neutrality, and then there's other areas as well that we're really lucky that we work with so many extraordinary icons. So we did a beautiful app with Sir David Attenborough and the BBC, mm. The Story of Life, which again provides real information about what's going on. And, 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 and also in addition to that, we did, did the great work with the WWF, which tells the story of animals through their eyes. So you can see uh, polar bears, how they're, losing habitation and what the effects that's happening and you know there's there's all kinds of and, and the great thing about those these apps is they bring people together they bring parents and kids together and the you know, the next generation then nature becomes inherently part of their worldview mm. which is good and then you know recently at christmas we did the we did our tree of life app where we you know we work, we partnered with World Land Trust and we planted around a thousand trees. So could we do more? Absolutely, of course we could do more, and we and we should be doing more. And but we're, we're trying to, uh, I suppose, achieve a balance of providing inspiration for to 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 ourselves and as many people about what's going on, and at the same time making sure that we're we're being a sustainable organization but you know there's some really fantastic role models in this area like for example the company Patagonia mm. they're like you know the, the absolute global leader when it comes to or one of the global leaders when it comes to sustainability solutions so th- those kinds of organizations are our hero companies and then a lot of the companies we work with are doing some great 
great innovations and, and pioneer pioneering. So when it comes, because it's, it's a it, it, it's a problem none of us can can really ignore. Um, I'm gonna. There's three questions I'd like to ask you to, to finish. So I'm gonna ask everyone that I'm speaking to. Before I ask you that though, I just want to ask you one thing about. Um, so obviously WPP now owns AKQA. I just want to ask you a bit about that as in terms of the personal decision for you when it came to that decision when I'm assuming WPP said they were interested you then had that choice to make of or you and others presumably of someone else taking control of the company effectively that you had built how difficult or what what was the how did you process that decision and what were the the things that you really thought about when that came that came up yeah i think the the filter that goes through your mind for a decision like that is does it continue to provide us with a canvas where we can continue to express and articulate the company values in the work and and what we do and wpp had been interested in akqa for about 10 years before they ended up acquiring the business and so you know we'd have regular meetings with the team there and they, they showed their interest and it came to the time and, and also I think trying to do the right thing for the employees so there was a number of employees that had shares and, and, and equity in the company and we were very proud about sharing that that you know the the, the ownership in the company and we continue mm. to be and so what we did was we allowed those employees to capitalize to benefit from the investment from WPP so it gave them a liquidity event so the existing employees and people who invested were able to a- achieve something mm. and then in addition to that we were able to give new employees public stock in WPP as well so it, 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 carried, it had a, a dual benefit. And in terms of the actual, you know, the AKQA brand, the brand that you'd built, that you would still be the chief executive as you are now, but ultimately it would, it would not be your baby anymore. Is that, was that a difficult decision to make? Well, I think it goes back to your earlier question, which is I don't see myself as the boss. I see myself as... In, you know, service to the work, the clients, the employees. And because of that, I, I, I think of, I have a duty and responsibility to AKQA to do the right thing. And that, that's always been the motivation, really, rather than, yeah. Felt the right thing at that oh, absolutely. time. Absolutely. Mm. And it continues to be now. Great. What is that noise I've outside? Got no idea. <laughs> There's a lot so of work going on on your yeah, road, I isn't know, there? I think some end. kind of is it some kind of digger? Yeah. I think we'll just have to put up with that for the uh, the final three questions, won't we? So the final three questions. Sure. Wow. Stop. So perfect just, timing. Yeah, perfect timing. The final three questions. Then um, that I'm asking everyone. <laughs> Do you have, in terms of your creativity, or when you produce, thinking about when you produce your best work, or when you feel at your most creative or it can just be a sort of daily routine what is it that you do or what, what's your sort of routine or what conditions do you feel the best for you to be at your best creatively do you have a say a routine or something that you do to set it up yes i do go on <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think that there's a combination of elements that are my ideal my you know that that, that kind of put put my put my to create the right headspace for me and those combination of elements are good night's sleep how many hours is that it really depends on so i don't i don't drink caffeine and the reason i don't drink caffeine is if i have a coffee or tea it keeps me up so and the good thing about not drinking it is as soon as i hit the pillow mm. i'm out like a light pretty much and so um it really depends because i'm so like i come from different different um countries so you, you kind of you just get what you, you get what you can mm. yeah yeah you get as much sleep as you can so <laughs> so good nights so what what are the the, the the various things so one is a good night's sleep yep there's another one is meditation that's another important one. Yeah. Another one. What sort of meditation is that, by the way? Is that any meditation? Just go for it. Is that sort it. of guided, or you just do it yourself? Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you've um, done that for a long time. A while, yeah. 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 Um, the second, sorry, the third is exercise every day. Try and exercise every day. The fourth, what would that typically be? So it could be going for a swim. It could be going for a run around the park. That's that kind of thing. Mm. And the another one is inbox close to zero. That that you know, so making sure that I've dealt with everything yeah. that anyone needs from me, I've kind of serviced everyone's requirements. <laughs> so so you do that first thing when you first well, just you know, so just make sure that that, that and that if I have those those elements, so the exercise, the meditation the sleep, the inbox close to zero, mm. they're, they're all, they're really helpful in creating the right, the right environment. Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. Um, what so, are yours? Well, <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. I have just recently started using meditation, an app, it's actually an app on the yeah. phone. And I've just, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. Just that, it's all you know, sort of ten, fifteen minutes, right? And it makes a it makes a huge difference. Mindfulness, yeah, it makes. And a I think huge what's difference. really exciting is they're teaching it in schools now, right? And so it's all there's all these brilliant things that they're teaching in schools because when we went to school, they would just teach you to, you know, be productive, I suppose, mm. and which is good in itself. But now I think that it's it's brilliant that schools are providing so much more purpose and mindfulness and headspace and just just playing as much to the psychology as the the productivity mm. that is the app by the way it's called headspace I don't know it's, if you've seen yeah it. it's really really yeah, brilliant and i think something is very interesting what you say about the exercise i feel the same sort of thing it's it it gives you that lift doesn't it to exactly to you get no it was just the endorphins yeah yeah um uh what is the piece of work that you've been involved in um, that you're most proud of now it doesn't necessarily have to be the most lucrative financially or you know it's just which what piece of work do you look back on and just think that was that was it 
the next one. <laughs> I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Of course I'm going to say that. I knew that. you were going to say that. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you I'll yeah. give you the next one because okay. that is you've said that but okay. if you do think back and you do is the one that is the one that stands out that you that you really feel you know that was you, you just want me great. to say one you're involved with. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to say that. That's where that's where this is going. <laughs> is the one that you The next you, one. The, is the next one. I think AKQA in itself is the project yeah because it's a continuous stream of work that gets better and better and an environment that enables that across studios and continents so i think that that's something that that that's certainly of you know good contribution i'll accept that answer <laughs> thank you all right and the final question um what are you excited about right now? So that can be an app on your phone or a book that you're reading or a DVD set that you're watching or anything, anything at all. What is it that you're really into at the moment? I just drawn a blank. <laughs> you drawn a blank. Yeah, I can't have... There also... must be something. Yeah. Um... I think I'm just excited about so many things, Guy. Such as? Such, yeah, sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, such as. Um, i tell you some of the things that I do find mind-blowing and exciting. So just some of the advances in medical science. So, you know, the fact that there's this, at the moment it's extremely expensive, but this cure for congenital blindness, this cure for blindness. Hmm. And I just like it's miraculous, Do you know. Like so, you know, we do the you look at some of the innovations in in the world, and I, I love that William Gibson quote: "The future's already here; it's just not widely distributed." <laughs> and you know, which means pretty much anything we can imagine mm. is is happening, or, or someone's working on it. And I suppose all of us are in the distributing the future business. That's what, so that, that's what we have to that's what we have to embrace the idea of evenly distributing the future so I think that that that's what you know so so for the for the communities that aren't benefiting from from it from it. and I suppose just coming back to um, some of the early conversations we were having that there's a the communities that tend to thrive are the ones that combine education and economics and you know that's what you, you do need you know you do you need both you need that balance of i think that's the end of the that, that marks the end of the interview guy <laughs> our famous cuckoo clock yeah. yeah he's he's basically that's it <laughs> it's like telling me to shut up yeah you say the balance of a balance of economics and education yes and that that's really if you look at that that's really what 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 it takes Jazz Ahmed, thank you very much. Guy Kilty, thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>